you true sons and daughters. I'm John Miller, and this is Locked on Mizzou, your destination for partisan Missouri Tigers football and basketball talk three days a week during this ever so long off-season period. But you know what? i got to tell you guys that today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. And today on the show, we're going to do yet another Time Machine segment, our ever-popular Time Machine segment. This time we're going back to the year 1995. And when, well, of course, you're if you're a diehard Mizzou fan, you're probably thinking of the Tyus Edney season. And certainly, we're going to touch on that game, all of Tiger hoops, and of course, Tiger football. Larry Smith's second season is 1995. It's also Corby Jones' first season in a Mizzou football uniform. So plenty to talk to there, but first, why don't we get into some modern stuff really quickly here at the top. Of course, the big news in Mizzou football this week is that Dalen Carnell from Indianapolis committed to Mizzou. He's a four-star cornerback, and obviously that's a great get for Mizzou, and you can hear all about my breakdown of that news on our previous episode. Check that out in the archives at Apple Podcasts. Spotify, or at LockedOnMizzou.com. But there was some good stuff in The Athletic about his commitment. And the most interesting note that I saw is that DJ Smith, who is Mizzou's linebackers coach, well, he's been assigned to the Indianapolis area, as is Eli Drinkwitz's preferred method of geographical recruiting. But the interesting note that I saw is that obviously in this era of recruiting not a lot of personal one-on-one in-person contact is actually happening these days so how did dj smith connect with dalen carnell well you might have guessed zoom but in fact no more than zoom it was actually nba 2k the basketball video game yes football players play nba 2k as well there's no doubt about it now if you're not a gamer of any type that might sound kind of silly but really this is especially the younger generation almost all of them the, on the male side they're into these games especially the athletes they're into these sports games and quite honestly NBA 2K and Madden those are in my life the last two video games that I actually play and I don't play them very often I just play them enough to kind of keep my skills up and I imagine DJ Smith with as much stuff as he has on his plate he's not exactly spending 30 hours a week playing video games. All you have to be is just just good enough. Good enough that you're not annoying to play with. And in fact, it's probably better if Dalen Carnell and all these kids are actually better than you. Heck, let them win. Let them have a victory and a better experience. But you can BS over the headsets, create a real relationship in, in sort of a, a, le, a less, I don't know, contrived manner than all these giant food-filled parties that I covered from a couple episodes ago. I really like this technique, and honestly, if you're a younger coach, you should probably at least know how to play these games because, again, by all means, let the kid win, but you just don't want to be the annoying guy who's going, now wait, how do I I pass? How do I hike the ball? As long as you're not that, you're fine. Bottom line is, not only am I impressed by the unique recruiting methods that the Mizzou staff seems to be employed, I'm mostly just impressed by their hustle. One thing Dalen Carnell said is that five guys from Mizzou were recruiting him, and at most, 
two coaches from other schools were on top of him. So you can just tell this staff is young and hungry, and they are hustling for the guys that they want. And that's, that's great news if you're a Mizzou fan, in my opinion. Just, just a lot of good little signs here, in my humble opinion. But, well, as you all know, I'm a big Eli Drinkwitz fan, so eventually we'll see what happens. You know, the honeymoon is going to be over at some point. And speaking of future Missouri cornerbacks, Enos Rakestraw, a really good feature story in the Missourian today by a young fellow named Max Baker, a fellow, well, a future fellow Mizzou Mafia guy, I have to assume, and really just a nice feature story about Ennis Rakestraw and his mother. I thought just really strong work by Max Baker. I'll link to this piece in my description here. Just wanted to say, you know, I, my strength, I think, is opinion. That's why I focus on opinion on this show, right? Well, I used to write the column for the Missourian back in the day, and I'd like to think I did a decent job on that, but really the, the whole feature story thing, that's, that was never my strength, especially as a 20-year-old. You know, I'd like to think maybe at 37, I, I've lived enough life that I have more perspective and empathy and just able to see more angles on people's personal lives and stories. But I just, again, just really impressed by the young Mr. Max Baker over there at the Tribune. And definitely check that story out if you're a Mizzou fan. And hey, Max, keep up the good work. You're doing a great job, pal. And by the way, I just said the Tribune, didn't I? Clearly, I meant the Missourian. I was right the first time. Max Baker at the Missourian. But you know what? You know what? You, even though I just got that thing wrong, you know where you'll never go wrong is by going to rockauto.com. You see, unlike your traditional brick-and-mortar auto parts stores, rockauto.com is 100% online. So guess what that means? That means they have a way bigger inventory than your local stores. And even more importantly, they have better prices, too. Because did you know that there are often different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers at these big box auto parts stores? That doesn't really seem fair, does it? Well, at rockauto.com, their prices are the same for everybody, and most importantly, they're reliably low. Why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And up next, it's our time machine back to 1995. Well, again, obviously, if you're a huge Mizzou fan, 1995 probably conjures up Tyus Edney's horrific, horrific image as much as anything. But you know what? I got a lot to get to with Mizzou hoops. Less so with Mizzou football, quite frankly. So you know what? Let's lead there and get it out of the way. Because obviously 95, not the best season in Mizzou history. In fact, it was Larry Smith's second season at the helm. And you know what? Just to go back to 94 really quickly, Larry's first season. My my biggest memory of that year was someone running back the opening kickoff for a touchdown on our brand new shiny grass field at Faroe, but of course it was called back with a penalty. Man, it seemed like an incredible way to start the Larry Smith era for about five seconds, but it was not to be. Finished off that season 3-8-1 with a 32-all tie at Hawaii, by the way. My goodness. 
I actually fell asleep. My 11-year-old self didn't even make it through that game. They must have kicked off at 3, 4 p.m. Hawaii time or something because, yeah, that's a six-hour difference, and I did not make it through. And as disappointing as a tie is, it's almost even weirder and less satisfying when you wake up the next day and your dad says, oh, yeah, it was a tie. What? Talk about the, the old saying is kissing your sister. Well, I started to realize what that meant back in 94 but back to 95 that's why we're here that season again after coming off three eight and one I think people were fairly patient with Larry Smith they knew it had been a long time since Mizzou had been any good at football at all quite frankly so they started off with an easy win over North Texas but in week two Mizzou would fall at home 17 to 10 at Bowling Green and I can just tell you for sure that that had Mizzou fans feeling queasy the the patience at that moment, was starting to run a little bit thin. And then a few weeks later, after losing in Manhattan, Kansas, 30 to nothing, Larry Smith ripped Corby Jones' red shirt off and put him in at quarterback against the eventual national champions, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, in a 57 to nothing loss in Lincoln. Woo! Talk about the school of hard knocks. Now, that's a, that's a tough way to get your first start, I can tell you that much. Now, to be fair... Brandon Corso and Kent Scornia, Mizzou's other two quarterbacks, they weren't getting it done. But still, this was Larry Smith's second year at Mizzou. I think that was I think he had a lot more rope than he acted like at that point. And frankly, that lack of foresight here at this moment would ultimately cost Mizzou quite a few games, probably quite arguably in nineteen ninety nine, where it had no quarterback on the roster to replicate that run the option-heavy, I-formation-style offense that Mizzou had built its roster and its identity around in those subsequent years. I mean, really, Larry not having another option-style quarterback recruited, or maybe two of them, honestly, for that 99 season, just as big of a tactical error as not keeping Corby Jones redshirt in 95. I mean, it just there's no way to look at that with hindsight and think that wasn't a mistake, and Frankly, even at the time, it just smacked of desperation. So not a move that ultimately did anything good for the Tigers, I hate to say it. Notably, Kansas actually finished ninth in the country in 1995 with two of their losses being blowouts to, again, the eventual champs, the Huskers, and Kansas State. Yeah, I have no memory of that whatsoever for some reason, that two-loss Kansas team. But however... I will also note that that was their last winning season until Mark Mangino's fourth in 2005. So they would go about nine, ten years without having another winning year. So good for them. But, you know, Mizzou, really 1996, that's when you would see maybe some legitimate improvement. The Tigers would go five and six with their first win over those Jayhawks since 92. And then, of course, 97 would be the true breakout. Mizzou's first bowl appearance since 83. And then 1998, Corby Jones' senior year, Justin Smith's true freshman year, probably the best Mizzou football squad since perhaps that 1978 squad with Phil Bradley, Kellen Winslow that famously took down the Huskers in Lincoln. So really probably the ultimately this ended up with the best Mizzou team in about 20 years. But this 95 squad, that was definitely the beginning of it. You got to see some of those linemen, guys like, Todd Niemeyer were on the roster, just starting to get their feet wet. 
And yeah, just the beginning of a fun run for sure. All right, that's about enough talk about a three-win Mizzou football season. We'll get to the basketball team soon, but you know what? That that Tyus Edney play is going to leave a bitter taste in your mouth. I'm not going to lie. But something that's not going to leave a bitter taste is, of course, our friends over at Built Bar because they make an absolutely amazing protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Oh, all of them are covered in chocolate, 100% chocolate. So how can you possibly go wrong? And unlike some of these protein bars, they're not hard as a rock. In fact, they're quite soft and easy to chew. And you know what? If you're not a nut person, perhaps you have a nut allergy. Well, fortunately, half of their 16 amazing flavors are nut-free. And best of all, those non-nut varieties are composed in a separate factory, so no worries about anything if you have a peanut allergy or any type of nut allergy. So you know what? What you got to do is go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your very first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Get that variety pack. I think you'll enjoy the options. Now, while certainly the UCLA UCLA game is going to be the lead of this 1994-95 Missouri basketball team, I got to say, looking back on this, this is an absolutely tremendous coaching job by one Mr. Norm Stewart. Because guess what? Off that great 94 squad, the famous team that went 14-0 in the Big 8, went to the Elite 8, Six scholarship seniors graduated, including Melvin Booker and Javon Crudup. And also before this season, in the offseason, unfortunately, Kelly Thames had a brutal knee injury that would not only force him to sit out all of the 95 season, but really change his, his style as a player forever. He was never quite the same again. And when you go back and look at Kelly his freshman year, Man, just an athletic guy. He shot over 52% from the floor on that great team. And, you know, just a what could have been there. And, again, you lose six guys off scholarship, including two greats like Booker and Crudup, and you lose your you lose Kelly Thames, a guy you would expect to take a massive sophomore leap. Just the fact that Missouri managed to make the tournament is, is an incredible season in my mind. The only really returners from that team without Thames were Paul O'Linney, who nearly scored 20 points a game here in 95, Julian Winfield and and Marlo Finner, plus a a couple of sophomores, Derek Grimm and Jason Sutherland, who got valuable experience on that 94 squad as freshmen. And naturally, this team had several newcomers, including the Haley Twins, Corey Tate, Kendrick Moore, Troy Hudson, and Monty Harge. And, you know, actually, let's just start with Troy Hudson a little bit. Now, here's a guy, Norm Stewart ran him off, is, is, the, is the, of course, the thing that a lot of people like to say. Troy was only here for two games. He played two games before he decided, I'm out of here. I'm going to Southern Illinois and Carbondale. By the way, Carbondale is a college town over Columbia, Missouri. Hey, I guess it worked out for him because, you know what, Troy did play eight years and change in the NBA, making about $29 million. So one could say, man, we really missed the boat on old Troy Hudson. But I got to be honest with you, despite the fact that Troy averaged 21 a game for his two years at Southern Illinois, he also shot 39% in both of them. I mean, this guy was taking all of the shots. His assist numbers were about two a game 
And, you know, he was a solid three-point shooter, but does it sound like this would be a fun guy to play with? Didn't really get to the line. You know, just a total volume, inefficient jump shooter. Frankly, I'll pass. I, I, I totally don't understand why he even made it as long in the league as he did, considering a lot of people... From, all, from other accounts, he was definitely a bad attitude guy as well. So, honestly, I don't think we missed all that much on Troy Hudson. Now, Missouri starts off the season for the second year in a row, early on getting smashed by Arkansas, this time 94-71. Of course, Arkansas is the defending national champions here, and they would make the Final Four again in this very season. Now, on a personal note, this is actually the only year, 95, I've ever picked the entire Final Four correctly. So I basically peaked at 12 years old. So there you go. But after Arkansas, the Tigers would win eight in a row with wins at Washington against number 23, Illinois, and number 18, Nebraska. They also had a stretch during conference play where they won eight of nine after losing 102-89 to to Kansas. That included three top 25 wins, Iowa State twice, and Oklahoma State and they recently departed Mr. Eddie Sutton. The Tigers would rise as high as ninth in the AP poll during this stretch. But I tell you, this streaky Mizzou team would enter the NCAA tournament on a real down note, losing five of its last six, including the first round of the Big 8 tournament, an 18-point loss to those Cyclones that they had beaten twice before during the season. But you know what? Despite all of that, Missouri wins a quite memorable first-round game against the Indiana Hoosiers, 65-60. And I say most memorable mostly because this is the classic Bobby Knight game face rant after the year. And I, I thought about cutting that bite for all of you, but quite frankly, it's not the same without seeing the visual of Bobby Knight contorting his face in the most, in the most ridiculous ways he can possibly think of in response to what was, frankly, a ridiculous question. And I brought up true freshman Kendrick Moore earlier. It's quite notable that he played 36 minutes in this Indiana game and scored 15 points on 14 field goal attempts. That's a lot for a true freshman, especially in a Norm offense. But, you know, not the most efficient game in the world, but obviously Norm is starting to trust him as the season goes along here. Now, perhaps some of those minutes were because of Julian Winfield's foul trouble. And, and guess what? Julian would pick up another four against UCLA, limiting his minutes in both contests. And actually, by the way, Chip Walther, a true freshman, he played 14 minutes in this game. So, okay, maybe Kendrick's minutes were out of necessity as much as trust from Norm at this point. And now, since we've covered the whole season, while you're really here, let's get on to that UCLA game. And... You know, I wouldn't be surprised if you're a diehard like I am and you're listening to this. You've probably seen the UCLA game in the past, at least for a second time. Not live is what I'm saying because, well, this one was played ad nauseum on ESPN Classic back in the day. But you know what? If you haven't happened to see this one since it happened 25 years ago, I I genuinely encourage you to rewatch it. This is a highly entertaining game despite the last 4.8 seconds. And to that point, UCLA shot nearly 52% from the floor, but Mizzou was on absolute fire from three. They only had three guys take attempts, but they were all efficient. Paulo Lenny was five of six from downtown. Derek Grimm, three for five. And Sutherland was four for eight. By the way, Derek Grimm, 
His his game ages well. He was almost a, a big guy ahead of his time at six foot nine, two hundred and thirty pounds, and about a forty percent three point shooter. Just a lot of good shooters in this era for Missouri. But you know what? Again, back to Kendrick Moore. Moore takes the second most shots in this game as well, going four for twelve. So again, not the most efficient game for him. But but quite honestly, though, Moore, you might forget this, but as the shot clock is winding down, there's a little bit. There's about 40 seconds left. Norm Stewart just decides, hey, let's go 1-4. Everybody clear out for Kendrick Moore, essentially. He winds the clock down, the shot clock down, all the way down to six seconds before Moore starts his offense. And it's funny, that's something we've complained about in the modern era. I should say I have for certain. And I would have been going nuts back then. I'm sure I was going nuts back then, going, go, go. It'd be one thing if Missouri was tied. Then by all means, wind down the clock and try to give them less of a chance to score. But to me, when you're losing the game, worry about getting a good shot and going up by one point or at least tying the game as opposed to worrying about the other team and what they're going to do next. I just don't think you have that luxury there. But having said that, it worked because with about three seconds on the clock, Moore turns around, looks like he's going to fire a difficult turnaround jump shot from the free throw line somehow finds a cutting Julian Winfield while he's midair. Winfield cuts between three UCLA defenders, scores over National Player of the Year Ed O'Bannon. Missouri goes up one with 4.8 seconds left, and the Missouri bench is going absolutely wild, as well they should. But unfortunately, we know how this one ends, don't we? Now really, To me, in retrospect, again, with the benefit of total hindsight and a mere 25 years to think about this play, the only real mistake, the biggest mistake, I should say, that Missouri made was that Sutherland should have continued having Edney drive that ball to the left, keep that ball in his left hand. Because at that moment, at the beginning of the play, the first second or two of the play, the left sideline is clearly... Jason Sutherland's friend, but Edney goes around his back, gets the ball into his right hands, finds the space that he needs, and gets the shot off, obviously. You know, Derek Grimm is there. Honestly, a, a deep, you could argue maybe he should have stepped in one, second, uh, uh, one step earlier. I don't know. I thought considering the circumstances, Grimm did a pretty good job there. You know, could you argue that maybe one of the Haley twins should have been in the game for rim protection? Perhaps, but... I will point out that Grimm was guarding J.R. Henderson of UCLA on the play, who was not a three-point shooter. So the matchup wouldn't be something that I would worry so much about. Still, I I have a tough time criticizing that too much because, you know, Grimm and Henderson were a pretty good physical matchup, and you didn't want to just leave a wide-open path to the basket, obviously, but at the same time, you'd worry about, you know, maybe the Haley Twins – the ball's in space, maybe they wouldn't be as good. The only argument is, of course, with 4.8 seconds, how can, how can you really take somebody off the dribble at that point? Again, that's the part I have a tough time criticizing. I could see why people would make that, that take, that maybe one of the Haley's should have been in there, one rim protector. In retrospect, that's easy to say. But to me, again, the biggest mistake, Sutherland should have made him keep going left. I think then, if he just uses that sideline, I think it gums up the works and makes Edney have to pass the ball at the very least. So, But you know what? As heartbreaking as that was, let's be honest, despite the fact that 
they lost to the eventual national champion Bruins there by one point. Missouri wasn't going to go on to win the title there. They weren't that good. They played an excellent game against UCLA. And frankly, this was a great season regardless of, of what I'm saying right now. They, were, they finished 20-9, and 8-6 and six in the Big 8, fourth place, and even finished 23rd in the AP poll. Again, you lose six seniors, you lose Kelly Thames to injury, and somehow Mizzou still ends up making the tournament, still has, is part of one of the great college basketball games of all time, in my opinion. I mean, you got to give Norm credit. That's a really good season. So, you know what? With all that being said, i got to remind you guys to listen to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board. He's really getting some fantastic guests for us on the Locked On Network, so I highly encourage you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify. So, until next time, I'm John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou.